Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the When the Cleats Come Off podcast. I have a special, special guest. She's one of my really good friends in the softball game. I'm so pumped to have a convo with her. This is Morgan Stewart. She played at the University of Washington, one of the best college teams in the nation. She won a national title in 2009. She played for the Philippines national team for a couple years, couple seasons. So we'll get into that here in a little bit. Also the co-founder of The Package Deal. So if you know softball, you know The Package Deal. They're doing an incredible job of just getting athletes to compete and learn what it is to become the best version of themselves. Even wearing the hat because, you know, I happened to work with them a few times. We had a we had a blast together for a few years and I just love that team so much. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley V Training, former D1 athlete and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well, but now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm gonna have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players' parents, even my parents and my family are gonna be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive and that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. is Morgan Stewart. Welcome to this chat. Yeah, Ash, thanks for having me. This is going to be a good one. Hopefully you don't grill me too hard. (laughs) You know, I can't promise that I won't, but we're going to have fun. Uh, So Morgan, our backstory on us, I guess we can just say, I don't even remember what year it was. It's probably like 2016 or 2017. Something like that. Package deal came to the Midwest And me, like, just finishing my pro career, I was like, what am I going to do next? Like, I have no idea what my plan is. And all of a sudden, I see that package deal is coming over here. And I I don't know if you know this, but I texted Amanda or on, like, Twitter. And I was like, hey, do you guys need help at this clinic? And then all of a sudden, I'm showing up in Peoria and then Indy. And then, like, I don't know what it was. We just, like, vibed from the get-go. We were like, who are you? Like, Yeah. background background information on that was I think the first time that we met you were like we like this girl like uh and we were in our mind we had the idea of the roster for package deal because Mm -hmm. we're slowly like 
not slowing down at all because package deal keeps growing and growing and growing. But in terms of just what our bodies could handle, we had gotten off of a, a winter where we went like everywhere. And so we we're like, we need some people to help us out. And I think mm -hmm. that's when you came on the scene. We're like, uh, we had all these other names in mind, but like that girl needs to be with us because she rocked it. So I think you came out of nowhere in our minds, but then it ended up being perfect. Worked out. Yeah. We had so much fun. It was, I truly believe it was those package deal clinics that led me to want to work with youth athletes to the extent to where I am today. It's, it's like you kind of fueled the fire for me. So I will always be indebted to the package deal. And whenever they have something going on and people are asking about it, I'm like, go to it. Don't even like, yeah. <laughs> don't even question it. Like the softball school that you guys created over quarantine was the coolest thing. Like it was so fun watching you guys bring in some amazing coaches and just friends of the game that you guys have and just teaching athletes different elements of the game from, you know, physical skills like defense, pitching, catching, mental skills, yoga. Like it was just like the whole, I'm going to say it, package <laughs> for exactly what an athlete probably needed at that time. Like what was that like? Well, softball school was definitely Jen's idea. I mean, and looking back, it was probably the coolest thing to come out of this quarantine, but she came to Amanda and myself and she's like, all right, we, I have an idea. And me being like this super warrior person, I'm just like hunkered down of, and just thinking, what am I going to do about my in-person lessons? How am I going to take care of my girls? And she's like, no, this is the answer. This is it. Just follow me basically. And I was like, okay, yes, this is what we're doing for the next six weeks. Um, and it was super, super cool to see just every, everybody in the softball world, just basically message package deal and, and just say, I want to be a part of this. I don't care what it takes. I'm, I'm in, let me know what you need. Um, and then we got a huge response from all of our people that have been following us for years and years, just going, thank you. I mean, we, we've gotten hundreds of messages just saying like, this was what connected my daughter back to real life, right? Because everybody is kind of like mm -hmm. everywhere in, in their quarantine yeah. too with the different states being shut down and reopened and schools just obviously not being in anyways. But it was really, it was a cool experience. It was a lot of work. Uh, like at this desk, I remember just being here for ever and like backs being yeah. sore, necks being sore. And yeah, but it was really, really cool, really rewarding experience. Yeah. That's so much fun. And it, it's so, it's exactly what the package you'll like, I could picture no, nobody better putting this together. Cause you guys just have so many connections throughout the game. It's like, yeah, we're going to call up, you know, this team USA player to talk to these athletes. Cause we're friends with them. Like it was yeah, just, why not? <laughs> it, why not? I mean, it's perfect. So yeah, huge testament to how much you guys care about this sport and its growth. It was so fun to just watch from afar. Before we get too deep into just our normal conversation where we just hang out and talk softball, I want the audience to kind of learn a little bit about you. So maybe where, you know, your just love for softball started and kind of take us along that journey of you getting to where you are now owning, you know, we'll get into this later defense club and you work with youth athletes still start us off. I think I started the same way a lot of softball players started in baseball, like playing with the boys, mm -hmm. um, having a good time. I've got two younger brothers. 
playing in the backyard. Uh, so originally I didn't want to play softball because I thought the girls weren't tough enough or it was going to be a different game. And I was like a quiet, shy kid growing up too. So I didn't want to go to something new without knowing what I was going into. So I uh, started softball actually when one of my best friends at the time was going to this tryout. And I thought, okay, well, at least my friend's going to be there. So I'll know somebody. And then fast forward after the tryout, my friend didn't get picked up, but I loved it so much because just I finally felt like I belonged someplace because being the only girl playing baseball, as every girl knows when they're playing with all the boys, it's like, yeah, this is awesome because I'm sweet and I can play with the boys, (laughs) but also like you're always being looked at. You're always the girl instead of just one of everybody else and like showing your skills versus your skills because you're a girl. Yeah. I started, I started right away in like 12 U travel ball. Actually, that was the tryout. So I skipped the rec ball days. I skipped all that and just went into kind of a, I guess a mediocre and 12 U travel ball team. We went to triple crown, went to like ASA and then slowly, but surely my mom like did a lot of research on, like hay bucket and all of like the chat rooms trying to find out who was actually a good team for me to be on because she was more concerned that I was being challenged I was more concerned and like I was again super shy so being on a team I never wanted to move teams because I'm like okay these are my people all right I (laughs) and it was less about my performance I loved the game and I loved practicing but I was more like I don't want to be uncomfortable. So my mom was constantly like, all right, you need to be on this team because of this reason. And I would always fight her, but I would always have a great time. And so like I went, I tried out for like minors gold team who had won a national championship the year before. So that was my 1400 team. Then I tried out for a bat buster team. That was my 1600 team. We won a national championship there. And then at that time it was so weird because I had Doug Myers and Marty Tyson come to like in-home visits. This is when travel ball was like, it seemed like super intense. Like these travel ball mm-hmm. coaches are like battling for their players. Um, yeah. And I had already committed to Doug Myers, who was a 16 under bat buster coach. And then Marty came in house going, you need to be on my 18 U gold team. <laughs> and I, we had told Marty, okay, well we'll be on your team after we play for bat busters. Cause we, we had already committed to him. And uh, that's why that started my relationship with Marty and why he's one of my favorite people on the planet because through that whole year, even though I wasn't on his team, he gave me hitting lessons for free. Like just go, goes, you're part of the family. You're going to be on this team. Here you go. And that's basically where I learned how to hit. Yeah. After that played for Marty for a few years. Um, I was part of the generation that after you played your freshman year at your college, you went back and played for 18 U, uh, the national championship. And that's, so weird. We played, we actually got second that year as I was a college freshman. This big, bad college freshman comes back. I kicked Stephanie LaRosa out of her shortstop position because I was the college freshman coming back. And she was totally respectful, like no bad blood at all between us. But I, I like missed a ground ball between my legs and was part of the reason why we actually didn't win that championship. But that, like our championship game, we played this Florida, their team name was, I forget, but Stephanie Brombacher, who was one of the Florida pitchers that we beat in 2009, was on that team. 
It was just like mm, these weird whoa. full circle moments that yeah, happened. Yeah. So that was 2008. And then 2009, we played on the same field against that same pitcher and we were able to win. But yeah, there's obviously everybody has their softball stories and how things mm-hmm. are connected in their own mind. But long story short, <laughs> started as a baseball player, continued as a softball player, and now I'm still a softball coach. So love it. Yeah. And now you're working with in-person lessons. I mean, it's crazy how, f- it, well, one, you're posting it all over social media mm-hmm. and it's fun watching you teach these players how to become, you know, especially defenders. That was like your bread and butter. It seemed like when you played, obviously you're a great hitter as well, but the the defensive part is what kind of drew you to, you know, want to, want to teach that. So why, especially does that part have a special place in your heart? This, it really started with package deal and how originally when package deal started it, what we did, Katie and I shared hitters because, Mm. okay, everybody looks for hitting coaches. Everybody seems like they're really concerned with hitting, with hitting because I mean, let's just be real. If you hit, you play, you're in the lineup. Right. Um, And then Jen with her catchers and then Amanda with her pitchers, they're all divas and they've got their specialties. And then at, at a certain point, I'm like looking out at everybody kind of warming up for their pitching or warming up for their, for their catching and nobody can play catch. And I'm like, what are we doing? Nobody's teaching defense. Mm. And so that's when it kind of morphed into the four different specialties instead of just hitting and then pitching and catching. Uh, We just didn't even have it at the start of package deal. So I kind of owned that role for a while of like carving out this space for defenders because seemed for, I mean, even when I played, defense was something really, really fun. And like the game within the game. And like, I love diving practice. I love like playing against slappers and like trying to play this game. Like where, where did I start with defending them and where did I end up right before the pitch came? And well, what I thought I was making them think about and do that wasn't even talked about. Right. So I think um, I had a really good time kind of creating this social media personality, talking about the little things and what you do when nobody's watching. And all of that resonated with me in the defensive side of the game because when you're on defense, nobody's really looking at you unless the ball gets hit to you. Uh, When you're a hitter, you're on stage, right? You're, You're in the batter's box, you're on stage, everybody's watching you and the pitcher. Done. Like, that's the game. But then on defense, how many times do you have to get ready for that ball to potentially get hit to you every single pitch right Mm -hmm. you're you're on your own stage and you're you're getting ready every single time and in my mind that that was really metaphoric of life right like every day we're getting up every day we're making our bed every day we're going through our morning routine uh and we're trying to be our best we're trying to grow we're trying to learn we're trying to be the best versions of ourselves but maybe nobody's even paying attention we don't get like that recognition or, and a lot of times we don't need it. We're like, no, I'm doing the right thing because it's the right thing and -hmm. it's going to make me better. But also we're humans, right? We're, we're, we need to, this is just how we are. We're always on a team. Like life doesn't make sense um, if it isn't impacting other humans. So at a certain point you are on stage and then are you ready for that, for your moment to be, that impact to these other people. So that gets really deep. (laughs) Wow. Like when you said life doesn't make sense unless we're impacting other people. Whoa. Like we need to put that on a t-shirt like right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do it. Wow. I'd buy it. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. Wow. That's so, I love that because, you know, one of the questions I planned to ask you today was, what can people do to become better defenders? But in reality, you're right. Like people, they're spending so much money on a hitting coach because obviously you need to be able to hit to be in the lineup. But what if you can be a really good hitter and a really good defender at the same time and be able to hold your own? And it's so, I love how metaphorical you got with defense because I never really thought about it that way. So when you think about it, you know, what are maybe the top two or three things that you feel like youth athletes don't know enough of or don't spend enough time on from the defensive side that they can develop to become better? The first thing that comes to mind is playing catch. I mean, right away, people kind of write off playing catch because they go, oh, I know how to do this. I've been doing this since I was five. But hey, are you perfect at it? Yeah, and I don't use the word perfect almost at all, if ever, because like if you use that word perfect or you that's your standard all the time, it can be unhealthy. But in terms of how many reps are you willing to do to master a skill? And mastering playing catch is actually very difficult because you mm-hmm. only control half of it, right? You control your throw. And then if you're getting a bad throw, if your partner doesn't really know how hard to throw it or whatever, you're communicating, you're moving your feet. You're, that's hand-eye, that's, I mean, that's being a good teammate, right? So playing catch is definitely one of the cornerstones of the game. And so many people just write it off like, ah, I'm bored. I'm just, I'm just, I'm throwing the ball over there. I'm not really paying attention. I mean, God, if we got better at playing catch, I mean, that's, it, you're just a better player for it and probably a better teammate. Uh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> I, I think I have a feeling of what you may want to talk about next. So just basically the things that, that athletes need to get better at. And I know you love footwork so much and you teach it so well. Um, so what are maybe some things that you're working on to help athletes just be more agile and have good footwork on defense? Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, in my lessons, we'll just go through playing catch is one of the key things. First things I look at to see like what kind of player I'm dealing with. Two, footwork is definitely the next piece. You nailed it because uh, so many times if we're close to the ball, a lot of times we want to be so ready that we want our feet to be still. We want to be planted. All right, I got this. I don't want any movement. And But in reality, we have to create rhythm and timing in everything that we do, right? That's athletics is creating uh, this position that you need to be when you need to be there. And if you're there too early, you're rigid and kind of robotic. If you're too late, I mean, the play passes you by and then we have to be stabby. We have to be like explosive in the wrong direction. Uh, So footwork, what a lot of times I try to do is try to say, try to keep your feet underneath you. So feet underneath your hips, hips underneath your head. We want to be stacked just like hitting, right? We want all of our power to be based from the center of us and then moving out. So instead of having our head over, like over outside of our body, we always want to try to move our feet so that our feet are underneath our head. It's a really advanced concept when you think about it and doing it well, but in terms Mm -hmm. of the little kids on up, I think I can make the biggest impact in like kids that are 12, right? Because those are the kids that understand why you need to move your feet. Um, And then those are the kids that obviously have a lot of the of the ways to go before they get to their true 
like athletic potential. Uh, so footwork is a big one. Let me see. And then I'll just say timing. Uh, just because, yeah, it goes into footwork especially, but timing of when to get their glove out in front. I think I will will say the word late a lot, and people will not understand why they're late because they don't actually understand that their glove has to be underneath and behind the ball early in order not to be late. Early is a relative term, I guess, but... Yeah, that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see in defenders is that they're waiting with their glove up by their chest or with their fingers facing the sky. And they're waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm like, just have your glove out so you're ready to go. So you have a, a, a shorter distance to travel before uh, you receive the ball. So again, I can make all of these things metaphoric and that's probably why I get lost in my thoughts. But this yeah, is why you need a book. Oh, you need to write a book. Everybody needs to write a book. But I yeah, agree. I, I would love I to write, write a book. Yeah, yeah, you should write a book. I'm in. So one of the things I admired most about working alongside you, especially with defense, was, you know, the cues that you're giving athletes. So back flat, booty back. Like, I just, like, I think I dream about, like, those just <laughs> that sometimes because of how many times that you said it. But what are some of your favorite cues that you like to give athletes? I'm thinking of coaches here who want to be able to instruct and look for things from some of their athletes a little bit better. So what are some of your favorite cues? Yeah. Uh, back flat, but back huge. Um, yeah, that's all about posture. I think that one of the ones I use all the time is elbows up, which mm. in the last few weeks I've been really, and this is probably for all coaches and parents listening, we're all trying to learn every single week, right? Every single day in the best way that we can get people to move the most efficiently. So originally elbows up, um, I did that because a lot of girls were opening up their palms and pushing the ball up because their, mm. their hands are too small a lot of times to, to point the ball down. So using baseballs helps with that, but just the cue of elbows up is going to create a more efficient throwing pattern. Glove out is a very typical one that I'll use. Uh, this is from JT, the Washington infield coach, but he'll say, try to treat the inside part of your glove. Like there's a camera inside of it and you want to film the ball. Um, mm, as, I love that. Yeah. As often as possible. Right. So in terms of that, I mean, think of if there's a camera in the middle of your glove, you can't flip your glove. You can't roll it. You can't just have it in a random place. It's got to be open towards where the ball's coming from. So that's a one I use a lot too. Yeah. And wh another one I just want to add that you always would say was eyes behind your glove. Mm -hmm. And I know you talked about glove out, but like that was a really good visual. At least when I used it with the athletes that we would work it with that package deal. And I still use it today. It's, it's truly being able to see the line of the ball and see it go into your glove. And it's like that easy thing that people just forget sometimes. But I know you used to say that one a lot, so I needed to definitely make sure. One thing that you said about, you know, the camera. My gosh, I love that. And I'm just throwing this out there because I used this the other day. One of my younger athletes, and when I mean younger, she's like nine. So she would roll her glove over to try to receive and someone had told me this at a clinic that I, that I taught at probably like four years ago. And they said, you want to pretend like you're holding like a bowl of chili or, a, or soup or something in your glove when you're going down to receive it. You obviously don't want to spill it. 
And like, as soon as I just told her that analogy, she started just absolutely crushing and see, like she knew where to get to be on time. It's like all of these other problems were just solved by that one analogy. And like the analogies that you give with defense are always so good. Are there any others that are like popping in your head right now that, or is that pretty much it? Those are, those are the big ones. And I think, yeah. especially when you're talking about like nine-year-olds, 12-year-olds, even 18-year-olds, people need one thing to focus on. And just like you said, sometimes that one, that one metaphor, that one analogy is really what gets them to click into, oh, okay, got it. You know, mm-hmm. keep it simple. Yeah. It, it's seriously one of the best. Keep, just keep it simple. Like keep it, like if you are telling the first, like, the day you picked up a bat or the day you picked up a glove, you need to sometimes treat the game that way as what do you need to hear if you didn't know all these other things? And a lot of times younger athletes will react in a better way that way. Uh, so there was one thing that I, when you were sharing your story, I really wanted to unpack because a lot of parents come up to me and ask, you know, hey, I'm on a brand new team. I'm really nervous about my daughter getting to know other athletes on the team. You know, this other girl's maybe playing in her position. Like, how do I, as a parent, um, make sure that my athlete is set up to be able to accept a new team and realize that even if they're shy, they can still perform and do great things for that team. And clearly you jumping from, I don't want to say jumping from teams, but like always being challenged with joining a new team. What was that experience like for you? And what can you share with parents and athletes who you may, maybe you're in that situation right now? A really good one. I think that I was very fortunate because we'll just say defense was the skill that I was very confident in players really get overwhelmed when they're really stressed out about performing on defense, performing on offense, meeting new people, pleasing the coaches, pleasing their parents. I think that I was very, very fortunate because uh, my parents were very stable in terms of how they supported me. So yeah, they would ask about my game because they're interested, but it wasn't like I was always getting into the car and I was scared of their reaction of how I performed. So I was, that was like a constant for me. So they knew I was working hard. They knew I was trying my best. So that was a constant. My defense was a constant. Um, I guess how my coaches thought of what my coaches thought of me, that would change. Cause I, I played for different coaches, coaching personalities, but I think that was what my parents looked for, that it was just going to be a healthy coaching relationship. There wasn't a lot of negative language used. And if it was criticism, I understood that it wasn't ever against me as a person. It was more than just trying to keep me growing as a player. And that was, a, I think, just a healthy understanding that that was the environment that I was in. So I think players get overwhelmed when there's too many instabilities, right? There's too many factors that they're trying to navigate. Like for me, hitting was a kind of a weak spot as a kid growing up. So I was always like trying to, ah, I'm not quite there. And that was like a pressure point for me. And then also being the shy kid and not really knowing um, how I was going to fit in. But again, I combated the being shy with leading by example. That was my Mm. internal definition of how I'm going to contribute. I don't need to be the loud one. And that was, that was something that I always identified with. I'm going to work my butt off and whoever is like me is going to see me for that. And we're friends on the team, you know, Mm -hmm. we would have been best friends. 
yeah. just straight up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, and you're going to have kids that are, that are like that. You probably have more kids that are like us on a travel ball team that want to be good and that connect with like the hard workers. Then you have the big, loud, confident girls when they're like 12, 13, 14. Right. And if you mm-hmm. are that girl, those girls don't really, they're friends with everybody. Right. So, uh, I think that that's, that was how I got by meeting new people and kind of having this, a little bit of social anxiety, but yeah, I think the need to work hard overpowered my need to be comfortable in every single situation. Obviously there's situations like team parties and the Christmas party where you like, can't lead by example where you're like, Oh, I'm not very comfortable, but that's just Mm -hmm. kind of kids growing up nobody's going to be comfortable all the time. Yeah. And so I think, so I got a brand new coach in college. Like I was two years in and I got a new coach and, you know, I, I felt, well, one, I kind of felt abandoned because I had worked so hard for two years to, you know, prove myself on the team. And now there's going to be a new coach that doesn't know me and is probably going to have like different expectations. It was just a really hard thing for me. Um, Go, like in college. And that was the first time I had been exposed to like a new coach that I wasn't comfortable joining a team for. So, you know, having to almost prove myself to the coach was something that I stressed out a lot about. I mean, I was like, what are they going to think of me if I let a ball go through my legs in the middle of practice or whatever? Do you feel like you ever, you know, felt like you had to please the coach when you joined a team? Because I know some athletes are probably like so stressed because they just want to be perfect and not make any mistakes in front of their coaches. Do you have any advice for those people? I would say, gosh, I always had a personal relationship with every coach, right? So when I was getting onto a team, even if there was a tryout and multiple people got picked up in the tryout, um, I think that any one-on-one interaction with the coach, I really valued that first interaction of, what his or her goals were for me. And then the type of player that I was, I think that that it's, and that's weird for a kid, I think to think of it as, all right, this is your first interaction with, with your coach. But I think it was really important to know that they understood the type of player that I was. Um, And in some ways that was really great for my growth. In one instance, it wasn't, so great. I th- I remember back to like a 1400 team I was on, the coach really defined me as a defense only player. And in that mm-hmm. instance, I hit terribly. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're not, you're not that great of a hitter. So we're really going to focus on your strengths. And I'm like, wow. Okay. And then I started to kind of define myself as that. And I had to work myself out of that a little bit um, in my next teams, which was great. And then not right? Like, cause you're, you're like, okay, he, he sees, he sees me. So like, he's taking me based on what I'm good at and that feels good. But also I'm being put in this box, which as a 14 year old, you don't want to like, you don't really realize that that's what's happening. So I think that in terms of pleasing your coaches, that the first interaction is important to know kind of where you stand, but also them understanding where you're at. And I know that not every kid's like us, right? Not every kid's like the lead by example, I'm going to push, I'm going to throw up in the shuttles before I quit. 
not every kid's like that, but I think that's where it was easier for me. Like that's my experience is every coach knew that I was that kid. So there wasn't really this butting heads of like, Hey, what, what are the expectations? No, she's probably one of the people that I don't really have to worry about. So if you're Mm. that kid, then, and you're still worried about what your coaches think, like that should just be the furthest thing from your mind because the coach isn't really worried that you are, that you aren't trying very hard. The coach is more just trying to get you to perform your best and probably trying different tactics with you. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a good testament to the fact that your mom always made sure you were on a team that you were going to be pushed, but you were led by a strong leader who really, you know, wanted what's best for you. And of course, not every journey is perfect. You had a coach that said that limited you and so that you weren't, you know, a great hitter comparative to your, to your defense. And, you know, that says a lot too about how powerful someone you respect's words are. So like, if you're a coach or a parent listening right now, realize that the, the words and the way you say things to your young athlete will tr- kind of sometimes dictate how they feel about themselves. So, you know, be careful with how you say it because clearly it was not said in the right way in, in this story. But you have had the opportunity to play for an amazing coach. Well, many. I mean, Marty Tyson's obviously so well known in the travel ball world. But I, I really want to hone in on Heather Tarr because we you mentioned before we started recording how she was early on in her career with you, but you guys won a national title. So I kind of want to know some of your probably favorite qualities of Heather Tarr. So any coaches or parents listening can maybe adopt some of those qualities to help their athletes, you know, find their version of a women's college world series. I think one of my favorite things about coach Tarr is that she, she's super interested in the mental part of the game and trying to, and not just one version of the mental part of the game, but trying to understand how her, players tick because she understands that everyone has their own individual strengths. So Mm. every single year before the season started, we took like strengths tests. We tried to figure out who we meshed with, what, how to communicate with different types of people on your team. Uh, Cause I will always think this uh, about the 2009 team. We were a bunch of people that weren't the same, but we had one goal, right? So the way that we were able to succeed is people picked up the slack when others were kind of in their down parts of their season or whatever. And the entire season wasn't this fairy tale. Like you look back at the highlights and um, I believe we were either swept by UCLA or we lot, we dropped two games to Stanford. Like we weren't undefeated. Right. So we had these, these hard times, but I think going back to coach Tar's strength of understanding there that individuals had different things to bring to the table. It really, really helped. And when we got to postseason and understanding, okay, now it's this person's time to to step up to the plate. Now it's this person's time. And she, she did a really good job of managing the different personalities on the team. Um, so that was, I mean, that's huge as a head coach. And now like on the other side, as I've been a part of a couple different college coaching staffs, but like just understanding different kids and how they work and how they tick and what their motivations are. That would be one of the hardest parts about being a head college coach and knowing that you're dealing with people's histories, like all the different coaches that they've had before. Like I can, 
I can't even really imagine. And then also (laughs) being able to get the most out of them. That's just a testament to the type of leader that she is. Right. So really, really cool that she was able to do that. And I believe that was like her fifth year or something as a college coach, which just imagine you're in your fifth year of like, I'm now in my eighth year of just teaching lessons. And I'm right now just starting to figure out how I'm going to do that. And that takes a hundredth of the, of the (laughs) like management skills of doing like everything in college coaching. So yeah, she's awesome. I think. (laughs) Yeah. I've never met her in person, but you know, everybody says such great things about her. And it seems like the common theme of great college coaches is the fact that they can get the most out of every player. So you said that you guys took tests. Did you take the disc assessment? I'm guessing maybe we took, something similar. Um, yes. Strengths finder disc. That's the one that's like INF, whatever, all those different letters, right? I think it's just D I S C. Oh, well maybe we didn't take uh, that one. Uh, uh, I, I, <laughs> I took one where I'm like an I I N F. SF or some, there's like a mm. people, Yeah. if you look on social media, people like identify with these things and I always I know, see yeah. mine and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, there's another quiet, uh, <laughs> introspective person over there. So we, I think we did four different ones or three different ones two separate times, but she's always trying to figure out how she's going to know us better because in a lot of instances, we had over 20 kids that are on the team and some of us aren't very easy to get to know. I will put myself in that category most of the time because I will start out very quiet and I will not show up and tell you my feelings or anything unless it's absolutely necessary. (laughs) This is where I think like the very first day I met you, I realized like you and I are so similar in so many ways. I think now people, now when people watch me or listen to me now, they're like, whoa, you, you must have always been outgoing. And honestly, I haven't. Like I was that person that would join a team or be a part of something and I would just put my head down and do the work that I'm supposed to. So I was taught from day one for my dad. And, you know, that's kind of how I was always when I played. And so I think it's just so beautiful to be able to see, you know, how multiple personalities can like figure out how to be one when it's needed and go win a national title. So it's pretty special to be able to see that all of you are different. And each year, Heather Tarr has to decide, okay, I have all of these different personalities this year and next year it's going to be different and next year it's going to be different. But being able to still get the most out of every single player and realize some people are going to be quieter than others. Some people are going to be loud and obnoxious. Some people are going to be, you know, they would they would do absolutely anything for everyone. And just knowing that that's every person's strength is different is huge for coaches. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear the story of, you know, youth coaches that are talking to teams and saying, hey, like, I need you to be louder in the dugout. Like, hey, our energy's awful. But that's something where, like, me, I was, yeah, I would, like, talk to my teammates, but I wasn't, like, crazy excited all the time. Like, I I just struck out. Like, I need a second, you know? And then I'm going to come back and, and then put my energy into my teammates. But I think just expecting the same type of demeanor from every player is just, it's not going to work. Like you have to be able to just manage a team and know that everybody's going to have their strengths. Everybody's going to have their weaknesses and getting the most out of everyone is the common goal that's 
that every coach, no matter who you have, should should do. I, I totally just went off on a rant, but it was something that I knew that like some people just needed to hear. Y'all, it lights my heart on fire when I see your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Sadly, you can't put a review on any other podcast platform, but these mean the world. I am shouting out today, Mama of Three. She wrote, Coach Ashley and her message needs to be heard. She continues to empower young athletes with practical knowledge and tools to elevate your game. Thank you, Coach. Well, thank you, Mama of Three. I wish I knew your first name, but it means the world to me that you rated this podcast five stars and left a review. It not only warms my heart, but it actually helps this podcast grow. And it's one of my goals to be one of the top podcasts in the sport. So if you guys love this podcast and want more people to hear the messages inside this podcast, please write a review, subscribe to the podcast. It means the absolute world to me. Thank you, Mama of Three, for the amazing review. And I can't wait to see who's going to be highlighted on the podcast next. Uh, I wanted to really bring up something that you're very passionate about and you know, started putting into fruition, I believe, a couple years ago um, that I think is a true testament to you wanting to do whatever you can to help youth athletes believe in themselves and uh, become the best versions of themselves. So can you share with the crew what Defense Club is and why you started it? Yes. Um, so Defense Club started in 2018, and it's been kind of a work in progress for a few years before that. I started, well, really even before Defense Club became anything, I started posting like my thoughts and feelings and my perspective on the mental side of the game, what my weaknesses were. I started kind of posting some vulnerabilities that I've had personally as a player and as a person, as an athlete growing up in sport. Um, and Defense Club essentially launched as the as mental training for elite athletes. And the reason why I thought I wanted to go this route with what I offered to youth athletes was because as I was growing up, I remember always thinking, okay, now I'm going to be confident. Now, like, I'm sure this coach is going to tell me like what, like basically how I'm going to develop this confidence. And it was all, I always thought I was chasing either a coach that was going to teach me a certain level that I was going to gain this new perspective of how to be confident. But I don't think anyone ever told me like, Hey, one, this is how, or two, you are going to have to figure it out yourself every single day. It's going to be a constant practice. And nobody ever said that. Right. I, I think I even got to, got to college and I remember going, okay, cool. I'm going to talk to a sports psychologist and I'm finally going to be able to figure this out. There's going to be so many resources. Oh my God. Like how am I not going to be confident when I've achieved this much as well? Right. So, and then I got to the end of my career. I'm like, oh, I never learned it. Mm. I guess that's, that's it. That's over. And then fortunately for me, I had a few different opportunities like playing in Switzerland. I played for team Philippines and I really, I remember playing and just going, wow, this is way easier. Cause I don't feel like I have anything to lose. Like I'm kind of older. I haven't really, I haven't even practiced. I literally have nothing to lose. And that's when I was like, oh, this is the game. I'm all I'm doing is competing. I'm trusting what I've learned because it's not really about being perfect anymore. It's more just adjusting to the game, being in the moment. Oh, this is what they meant. Well, I wish I would have known this 
12 years ago or whatever. And so that's, so defense club it initially launched as mental training for elite athletes. So basically having this conversation of you guys, Hey, just so you know, nobody's going to come and, and give you confidence. Nobody's going to give you this magic pill. Um, it's a, it's constant practice. It's just like going out and hitting off your tee every day. It's just like going and taking ground balls or throwing the ball against your wall at home. You have to practice your self-talk. You have to create this awareness and you have to give yourself time and space to know what kind of player you want to be, to know what kind of intentions that you're setting for yourself. So now um, I'm at this point where I'm like, all right, how do I get my girls that I'm teaching every single week to basically embrace this perspective of growing themselves defensively, right? And their physical defense and also their mental defense of, um, and I use this term inner armor, mental defense, basically Mm -hmm. what's going on inside you to basically be your defense against negative thoughts, to be your defense against the failure that happens in your life, to be your defense against all the possible worst case scenarios that you're always thinking about could happen. Oh my God, what if I strike out right here? Oh my God, what if this ball goes in between my legs, right? That's the epitome of a mentally weak athlete thinking about all the worst case scenarios. But ultimately, if we're really honest with ourselves, the fear of failing, the doubt that we have in ourselves, we're all thinking about the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen. We're not thinking about um, what happens if we believe these visualizations that we're, that we're trying to manifest what happens if we just believe this positive self-talk or not even positive, just competitive self-talk and we get in that competitive or we're able to stay in that competitive mindset instead of a fear-based mentality. But yeah, that's, I guess in a nutshell, the reason why I started defense club and then also what it's developing into. That's amazing. So I, I know that every single person, whether they're, you know, can be considered a confident person or not, doubts are always going to come. Like they are literally always going to show up. It's in some way, shape or form. But what are some of your favorite ways that you do a red light release where you get rid of the negative thought or you move on? What are some of the ways that you're teaching some of your athletes now? So when Defense Club launched, I came out with this ASAP training, right? I tried to like create this way that we think about or not we think about that I have taught my athletes for a long time. And that's acknowledge failure, that spot your defensive personality, like how are you reacting right now? And basically we've done that in the already of, okay, I'm having, I'm having doubts that in a way that's spotting what kind of failure that we're experiencing. I'm having doubts. I don't really feel good about where I'm at to what's my, what's my personality and how, how am I reacting to that failure? Okay. You're probably thinking, well, I just want to get out of this thought pattern. How do I, how I'm trying to escape this feeling of doubt. And then, so we're at ASA, we're activating our defense. You're asking me, all right, how do we get out of that? And then P, practice all the time. So Mm -hmm. in terms of activating defense, there's probably three different ways that, that are like building block skills for any sort of mental practice, pivoting, reframing, and balancing, right? And I, I picked these type of building block skills because they also relate to our physical defense as well. Mm. But when we pivot, we're trying to maybe think about something else, maybe replace our doubt, our thoughts of doubt or fear or 
whatever we're worried about with, all right, what should I be thinking about? Let's think game thoughts right now. Who should I be communicating with? Who should I, where is my play? What's the speed of the runner? Like, what should I be thinking about that's going to overshadow all of these feelings of doubt? Because no matter what, you're, you can't think about 30 things at the same time. You got one thought and, that, mm. and you're going to do that thought well, right? So that's pivoting, reframing. Okay. I feel doubt and fear. Just like you said at the beginning of this podcast before we started recording. Oh, you're going to pressure me with all these questions. Well, no, pressure's a privilege. All right. Like <laughs> let's let's figure this out. It's this isn't this shouldn't be something that is creating like this tension in in your body. It's just like, no, embrace it. You're good. And then balance um in terms of doubt and fear, you're thinking, all right, I feel this fear. I feel this doubt. But it goes along the same line of reframing of because this is so important to me, I'm, I'm giving it this, this same weight of I, I could feel all of the negatives, but also because it's so important to me, there's so much positive that can come out of this situation that I'm in. So just balancing um, importance with also kind of the glass half full, half empty analogy, right? And instead of focusing on all the bad, focus on all the good. So lots of thoughts, lots of lots of perspective and thinking. And really the goal of Defense Club is to create that awareness so that we're doing a lot of this practice off the field, just like in our physical defense, right? We do a lot of drill work. We do a lot of training quickly and, and talking through the whys and everything so that when we're in the game, we don't have to think about it, right? That is... And that's really the goal of defense club is that when you are on the field, you're mentally clear, you're, you're confident in your preparation instead of getting out there and going, "Uh Oh, I'm not ready. Mm. Right. It's being able to have something that you've fallen back on in your training to get on the field and say, all right, I, I feel, I still have these emotions. I still feel nervous. I still feel like, something could go wrong, but you know what? I, I thought about this before I I put in some work, I put in my training and now we're just going to roll the dice here. (laughs) Yeah. So are you saying that you were playing on a national championship team and you wish you would have been better mentally? Oh yeah. I think that every day Uh, it's, that's one of the things that I try to communicate to my students to, and, and there's a balance there too, right? It's not like, I'm going, yeah, I have, I have absolutely nothing figured out. <laughs> like, I don't know why you guys are all listening to me. Uh, so there's a balance of you're trying to communicate, hey, even what you're seeing on TV, all these people that you, you're looking at them in the, in the eyes and they're not 100% like the finished product of the person and player that they want to be. They, they still have these goals and dreams and visions of being better, but also they're showing up. Right. And how do you get to that spot where you can, where you're not your finished product, but you're also like, Hey, I trust what I've done up until this point to be able to perform at this level. So that's kind of the balance. And I guess what I want to communicate with a lot of players is you're not going to feel comfortable maybe almost ever when you're playing, but your goal is to and to kind of slide past the cliche of be comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Your goal is to still have a competitive mindset 
even when you don't have your best is yeah. to go, all right, what's the goal right now? The goal is to beat that person. The goal isn't to be super introspective and really care about, oh my God, what if I fail? Oh my God, she's probably way better than me, right? What's, what's your focus? Your focus is on winning. Your focus is on getting up to bat and swinging freaking hard because you're trying to crush it, not because you're scared that you won't. Yeah. Cause you're still trying to beat someone. Like when you're in the box, I think that's what some of the best hitters will always say. It's, it's a chess match. It's literally you versus the pitcher. And that in itself is like an amazing just thought of, you know, if you do have negative thoughts and you're aware of the negative thoughts, if you just focus on beating someone, you'll kind of like, I don't know, numb your mind to the negative thought. So you can just keep doing you keep on out. Yeah. I think one, one big thing that coach Char would always say, and then, gosh, I wish I could play college all the way over again, because I think I, (laughs) at, at some points I was a very stubborn student. Like if I look at myself in my perspective now, I'm like, man, I just, even though I thought I was a very coachable player, uh, looking back, I think I was very stubborn as well because she would always use the analogy of like, Hey, remember when you like went out and played with your brothers out in the, in the backyard and all you wanted to do was beat them, like play like that. And I'm like, but this isn't that this is way more important. (laughs) And like looking back I'm like, Oh, that's what she meant. She meant compete. She meant stop overthinking it. She meant stop putting so much meaning in, in the mechanics when really that's not what it's about. Like you've Mm -hmm. already done all of that. Now it's time to compete. So, wow. Like coming back full circle and I'm like, I'm 31 now. If I could go back, you know, 10 years to 15 years, like that's, I would be able to listen more uh, wholeheartedly to what the message was there instead of just going, no, 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 I'm right. No, you don't get it. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's so weird being able to see what you didn't hear. (laughs) Right. So I think when it comes down to just being aware of these negative thoughts coming in, I think a lot of athletes don't realize that when, when it happens, there's a plan. Like you can create a plan for when they pop in. I mean, I think about the rubber band technique, the one where like when you have a negative thought or disbelief, you just literally snap a rubber band on your wrist and you kind of like snap out of the thoughts. Like a, it's like an analogy that you kind of just take, you know, a physical analogy. Is there something that let's say on the field that you did when you were playing defense that, you know, you make a mistake, but you still have to be ready for the next play. Was there something that you used to do in college that would help with that? Yeah. Um, well, two things. I had a routine. So, uh, and probably same with your hitters, you'll encourage them to go, Hey, no matter good or bad, you got to reset. Mm-hmm. All right. So like on defense, you clean your area, you walk, you walk back, you walk forward, you figure out your, what your focal point is before every single, every single pitch. And that kind of resets you into whatever happened. It wasn't even positive or negative. It was just something that happened and it's in the past. It doesn't matter. So that's your routine. And then also part of my routine intentionally, um, I would try to get external. And this is a term that JT, the coach at Washington also used get external, which is all your thoughts and everything that's going on is just a lot. Talk to, talk to your teammates, make eye contact, 
I made that part of my routine because so often, especially in our personalities, we get really, really down on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, that can come off as being a little bit of a selfish player, even though we will be the first ones to be like, hey, that was my bad. That's my fault. And like in, in our thoughts, like for real, I would probably go like, I suck. I'm terrible. But that doesn't help anybody. And really on the outside looking in to those players, your teammate or your shortstop that's right next to you is like, uh, I don't know what to say to her. And then you're creating this energy kind of sucking thing that's happening on the field where energy doesn't need to be going to that person that just made a mistake. Energy needs to be like, all right, let's flush it. Next pitch. So I think getting external kind of releases the tension that other people kind of feel around you when someone makes a mistake. If you're like, hey, I'm good. No, no, no problems here. All right, I got you next pitch. Then they're like, okay, she's not mad. We're good. And, and that's, <laughs> I think that's the difference with like girls and guys too. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, with kind of dads asking me questions about, all right, well, you're so good at coaching girls. And I'm like, well, I'm a girl. So there's that, like, I, <laughs> there's that same language of that's the experience that you have when you're playing with around other girls is you're really aware of their feelings. Like, and yeah. even, even like elite girls that, are like, Hey, it doesn't matter. Whatever next pitch or feelings of elite girls. We're not talking about, Oh, everybody needs to feel good. It's just, no, you're aware that females want, don't want to make other females feel bad sometimes. Right. So in that case, if someone makes a mistake, say my shortstop ball goes in between her legs right away. I'm like, Oh, she probably feels really bad right now. <laughs> again where is your energy going? And then how can you be a good teammate and release that energy and direct it back to where it's supposed to be, which is next pitch and your next play. Yeah. I love that. And I told you this before we started recording, I just met with Sue Inquist. Uh, she's going to be on the pod. And it's so funny because greatness leaves, leaves tracks. Like if that was something that your coach was telling you, well, Sue Inquist was telling the same thing to her players back when she was coaching at UCLA. So it's funny that people are always looking for like the new flashy thing to work on when in reality, there's a reason why you won a national championship and Sue Inquist won a million championships. It's little things like that, that actually make a huge difference. Like putting your energy onto somebody else. People, people joke and laugh when I say that, you know, when I'm struggling and when I'm not doing well and I do doubt myself and I feel bad about my play, the best thing that made me feel better was grabbing a teammate that's crushing it right now and saying, hey, you keep doing what you're doing. I'll figure myself out. You keep doing your thing. I'm here to support you. Go do it. Because there's like this little internal excitement when you root for somebody to do well and then they keep doing well and you're like yeah I helped her with that you know like I gave I pumped yeah. her up before that <laughs> bat like I'm taking credit but it truly is one of those things that's super easy it's not like you're subtracting anything from your play you're only adding this element and it will truly change the game if you start adopting it and I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people are looking for you know quick fixes and that's kind of one of them like Put your energy Truly. into someone else. I love it. Well, Morgan, I have loved every second of this. I wish we could talk for like 10 more hours, but you have a busy life. You got to do a bunch of things. You're up to a lot of great, great stuff within Defense Club. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share about the club or at least how people can maybe find the club if they're realizing that, hey, mental skills are something I need to grasp and 
really start taking seriously, how can they find you? Sure. Well, lots of changes are, are heading the way <laughs> of Defense Club very soon. Um, my personal website, morganstewart.com, is going to now point people to defenseclub.com probably in the next, gosh, week. So I don't know when this is airing, Ashley, but uh, so that I'll make it a lot easier for people to find because I think that's been a little bit convoluted in the past. But uh, I will tell your followers this, that probably some I'm aiming for early December mm. doors are going to open for some advanced training in defense club because I've been announcing, all right, advanced training is coming because on, um, on the website, there's ASAP training that I've talked about forever. There's kind of the basics of what mm -hmm. I've mentioned of what mm -hmm. defense club is, but now it's going to encompass basically everything that I'm going to offer my online lessons is now going to be encapsulated in defense club. So that's going to, doors are going to open to that. And I'm going to start uh, really blasting on my social media, probably leading up to early December. So that is something to look forward to. That is so exciting. And what better time to have this come out because everybody's dealing with their own stresses with COVID and, you know, need sources and outlets. So I'm going to tell everybody to, even if you leave this podcast prematurely to go check that out, go check it out because yeah, I think it's, it's just going to be a huge, huge thing for a lot of athletes to be a part of. And I want to be a part of it real life. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you should be, and uh, you can also, you can always follow defense club on Instagram. So that's, that's there. And then also I've, I have two courses that are live. There's the quarantine and the six month skill or six, six week, not six month uh, <laughs> skill progression. But those are, those are live, but there's more that are going to be coming like it early December. Yeah. I didn't even mention the fact that you're doing online courses. So that's another thing. Like if people are like, she had like the best cues for me on defense to get better. Well, you can keep learning from Morgan yeah, even virtually. Go. So, so did you write like plans? Like what does that look like? Quarantine and things like that. Quarantine is basically like a 30 day or 28 day plan. Every single day you got, you have something to do because that was a big thing in the start of quarantine. Kids are like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. Like yeah. what, what workout that I can do. I'm like, okay, here's, 28 workouts that you can do and mm -hmm. there's printouts that you can just have forever and you can basically replicate all of these workouts forever and ever if you'd like and there's that and then six week skill progression is I go over six different concepts six glove concepts six footwork concepts that if you master them you're going to get a lot better in six weeks so mm. I like them they're so pretty cool. good so good I love how granular you get with your coaching and like it seems like people are going to have perfect access to that. So everybody, I will put that in the show notes once this airs so you guys can have a direct link to all of Morgan's amazing stuff. But before we sign off, I told you we were going to do some five to Pressure thrive time. questions. Yeah. I don't know why I call them five to thrive. I think it's just questions that you know, I've asked everybody these same questions and it's truly just an idea of, you know, where, what are you thinking about? What are you anticipating? Um, I'm nervous. Yeah, yeah. They're not that hard. I promise. They're really not hard. Okay. But actually, there was one other question I wanted to ask, and this is totally, I'm just going to do it because I really want to know. Like, where do you see, we're going back to Defense Club, because I feel like it's going to change the lives of a lot of athletes around the world. Where do you see Defense Club going to be in like five to 10 years? Like, where, what was, what's the ideal, what's Morgan thinking about five to 10 years from now? In five years, I hope all softball players 
at least have heard of Defense Club and see it as a resource. Um, and it's something that has helped people all the way up through and beyond college. That's what I hope it is in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, in 10 years, I hope that it's in other sports and other, and I can kind of expand. I mean, obviously my bread and butter is female sports, but mm-hmm. I think that the cool part and how I'm infusing physical and, and uh, mental defense together is that reps are reps, whether they're physical or mental and putting them together is something that athletes have been doing forever, but then doing it intentionally is I think a big unlock or it will be for a lot of players because nobody has time to go to my hitting lesson and then to my defense lesson and then to my mental lesson. Like, all Mm. right, let's figure out how you're going to get your mental reps while you're practicing. And that's, that's, uh, that's the key. I love it. I love it. Okay. Awesome. So by the way, what's your favorite social media platform where people can find you as well? Um, the one I'm best at is probably Instagram right now, even though I know that this podcast probably primarily to parents, which are more active on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm going to get better. So Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Believe it or not, there's a lot of parents on on Instagram. Like I have, I have seen a lot. So that's awesome. And yeah. So I love it. Uh, I hope everybody goes and follows you because the inspiration you put in your Instagram posts, it's like, it's so real and so raw and it's just something a lot of people can relate to. So go follow Morgan. She's the bomb. All right. We are going to end with five to thrive questions. I'm going to ask you five questions. Try to give it to me like within a couple sentences or even a couple words. Just the first thing to come to mind, you're going to give me your answer. Deal? Okay. Deal. <laughs> I always like hype it up. It's really not that, it, it's not that exciting. I mean, it kind of is. All right. So first question I want to ask you is, what's your favorite thing about the game? The sport of softball, your favorite thing about it? It's hard. Yeah. I agree. I think that's, <laughs> like that's probably the best answer I've gotten yet. It's so hard, but it's not as hard yeah. as golf. <laughs> Nothing's as hard as golf. Oh my gosh. We talked about that before. Well, we won't get into it. We won't get into it, but yes, I think that's a great answer. I absolutely love it. All right. Question number two, who was your greatest role model growing up and why? I'm going to have two answers. Natasha Wally and Lovey Jim because they're awesome. They're infielders. They were on Team USA back when uh, there was no question about the Olympics. They were just the best. Now they are still my role models, and mm-hmm. I would love to just chat with them every day. And that's it. That's amazing. I love that you said Natasha because my first year playing in the pro league, I talked to her after one of our games, and she was basically saying how she didn't peak in the game until she was 27. And I was Crazy. sitting there at like 23 years old, like, what? Like, yeah, you're like, wait, I'm done. I know. Isn't that weird? And it goes right along with what you were saying about how you wish you could go play now because the things that you've learned now, it's just, it would make, it would have made life so much easier in college. And I truly, I believe the same thing. So that's well, just, just, uh, just imagine if you would have heard that too, when you were in college. Cause I think that was a lot of the pressure of, I have to be my absolute best like now because yeah. I don't, I'm, who knows like if I'm going to play pro or if I'm going to be an Olympian, like you have to figure it out. So you're on like this clock more pressure. Yeah. She's going to be on the podcast coming up soon, by the way. I'm in, I'm pumped. You can help me with questions. She's awesome. I have lots of questions. All right. I'm excited not to just get every, well, I want to get everybody else excited because it's just fun being able to take the brains of Olympians. (laughs) They should be excited. I agree. 
All right. So you said your parents were a big influence on you growing up. What was one of the best things that they taught you? I guess I'll go with my mom's, the golden rule that, uh, how you treat other, you should treat others the way that you would want to be treated. So I try to follow that. I wouldn't want to have anybody give me less than what I would be willing to give. So that in, it's in terms of energy, that's in terms of work ethic. Uh, it's probably my favorite thing. I love it. So good. So simple, but so ugh, everybody needs to adopt that. I love it. Question number four, what was one thing you wish you could tell your younger self? You can choose college or I know, I know you had to choose. You're like, there's a million things. (laughs) Oh my God. I would tell my high school senior self that you are really good. And even though it feels like you're not, or you're always going to try to figure it out, like, Hey, you're good. And you have a lot of physical tools that other people don't have. Just believe that and stop questioning yourself. I love it. That might have been my favorite. That today. That might have been. That's probably my favorite part of the podcast so far. I love that question or that answer to that question. All right. So before I ask you the last question, I want to say thank you so much for shining your light on every single person that's either watching on YouTube or listening to the When the Cleats Come Off podcast. You have shared so much amazing knowledge that you know. Yeah, we've been talking for an hour and a half. Well, maybe a little, little less than that. But I swear every minute was gold. Like things that you're sharing and things that you're teaching, things that you're doing in the softball world are just absolutely incredible. And I just want to thank you for all the things you're up to. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so nice. I, well, I can't wait to share this. I think that I feel very lucky that even like any one of these podcasts that I get to be a part of is such a good perspective uh, shifter because I think all of us can get stuck in like, okay, I'm going to go to lessons and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And like we get stuck in this achievement mode of every day and then being able to do something like this and just chat with someone that I haven't chatted with in a while is like, all right, I'm doing okay. Right. <laughs> I love it. You're so doing more I than okay. I can't wait to post it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this has been so much fun. Don't forget, everybody go follow Morgan as soon as this is over. But before we sign off, I have one more question for you. What legacy do you want to leave on this game? Oh, my God. I talk about legacy so much. And <laughs> um, that's so funny. We're doing this Easton photo shoot at the end of this week. And I talk about my dad playing. And I used to have a saying, which I'm bringing back that I said, believe in what you leave, right? Be proud of the legacy that you're leaving. Be proud of what you leave on the game. And I think what I would like to leave is, oh my God, there's so much. To be just the message to kids and young women and women that are already out of the game that they should be proud of the work that they've put in because no matter the results or no matter how they want to feel validated, they should feel really proud of themselves for the, not just the effort, but just what they've given of themselves because that is worth way more than they think all the achievements could be worth. Uh, They're learning 
life lessons, even if they don't get the results that they want. Man, I have goosebumps. (laughs) That's so good. Morgan, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I'm already eager to have you on again to talk more defense club, to talk more defense, just to chat. This clearly means we need to hang out more, probably virtually because we live so far away and COVID. (laughs) But thank you so much for being on Morgan. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Um, this already brightened my day. It's 11 over the, over here. I don't know what <laughs> even time it is over there. I'm bad at math, but it's two o'clock here. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Appreciate it. So there you have it. Another episode of When the Cleats Come Off is completed. And if you loved it, I would love if you shared this with your softball community. The only way this game grows is if we have people like you that are eager to learn more and are eager to also share that new knowledge with other people. So if this episode really brought somebody that you know into fruition in your brain and you know that they can learn from this conversation, I would love it if you shared it with them because the more people that can learn from this type of conversation, I think the better the game of softball gets. And who knows, maybe this will be shared with other people in other sports because I truly believe some of these conversations, they don't just hit the game of softball, they hit all sports. And if there are people that come to your brain, I would love more than anything if you shared it. If you do share it, make sure you tag me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social platform you hang out on. I would love to see that you're sharing this and I would love to see some of your favorite parts. If you do share it, make sure to tag me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Guys, I'm even on TikTok, Ashley V Training, and at Smashly underscore four is where you can find me. And make sure you tell me which part was your favorite. I want to know what resonated with you so that I can create more content like that for you to share with your softball community. I can't wait to share another episode with you. Same time, same place next week. See you later.